Three, two, one. Welcome to the Dave of the Dog Trainer podcast, episode 76. Yeah. We're here. This is our third one this week. Man. Oof. It's a lot of talking, like you said. A lot of talking. <laughs> so bear with us today as we have a random one where we figure out things to talk about because we literally just filmed our last one a couple of days ago. Yeah. So. Again. <laughs> and then the last one before that, a couple of days before that. Yeah. <laughs> so we promise these will get more exciting next week because we have like, what, like 10 days between now yeah. and our next one that we would be filming. Yeah. Or eight or nine days, whatever. Yeah. Either way. So Some time to think. So we'll be fresh <laughs> for it for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> So what we're going to do today is we're just going to get into some random stuff. I want to kind of, you know, we'll kind of have a little fun, like uh, David reads YouTube comments and responds to them. Okay. Uh, we got, you know, some some Instagram questions, things like that. We'll just get into a little bit of all of that. Nice. It's new. You got anything new? Not really. <laughs> just fucking just crushing it. Just, just crushing, crushing it. it. Look, uh, yeah, looking for a house in this terrible market with those... 6.3 interest rates, thanks to the government. Wish me luck, everyone. <laughs> yeah, but like you said, better now than next year when I still have high interest rates and higher prices for houses. That's probably accurate. So, all right. Yeah, let's get anything else? Nothing? No, that <laughs> All right, so we're going to roll through some YouTube comments. We have some new ones here. Um, we'll talk about, obviously, the questions that we've been getting. Um, and obviously, in addition to that... Um, you know, the videos that those questions are on. So let's get right into it. This question's from two hours ago here. So uh, Tom Burrow. So this, uh, uh, this, these questions, these next couple we're going to read here are on um, a video we posted recently called Crate Aggression, One Session Progress, right? So basically, here's some backstory on this situation. So this is a, a German Shepherd um, who is fairly well-trained at this point. You know, he knows all of his commands and stuff, but he's got some really, 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 really gnarly crate aggression issues, right? Um, it's it's something where, um, you know, it's it's gotten so bad to the point where, like, basically any time the wife goes to let him out of the crate, he'll pretty much try to attack her over it, oh, right? God. So it's, it's, it's wild, yeah. right? Um, he's pretty good with the husband over it, but the husband works with him a lot more. Mm. The husband is... Um, a lot more, uh, a lot more strict with him about things. Very on top of him, stuff like that, right? Yeah. So in this video, we showed how you know I went to the house. We saw the behavior. The behavior was actually a lot more intense than I thought it was going to be, right? And we kind of showed the process of me starting to work through it, right? Mm -hmm. So Tom asks, um, "My collie is like this. Can you explain what the hitting the crate does?" I'd have thought it would make them more fearful of the crate. Any advice is appreciated. Thank you. Okay, so we got a couple things to talk about here. So first, the hitting the crate. What is he talking about in that, right? So um, when we put the dog into the crate, like, he lost his marbles, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we used a bonker to work with him, um, like, through these issues, right? Mm -hmm. And if you watch the video, you kind of see how we implemented it and everything. And uh, we primarily used it uh, as a correction for him not getting into the crate to de-escalate his arousal before going into it, right? Yeah. So why did we use the bonker? So when I first put him into it, I used the bonker and I bonked the top of the crate, right? Mm -hmm. Now, why did I do this, right? So if you look at the purpose of the bonker, right? The bonker itself, and, and to explain a bonker to people, it's a rolled up towel that you throw at the dog, right? Mm -hmm. And basically the idea behind it is you have two ways to utilize an aversive, right? You have ways that implement like physical discomfort, right? So 
e-collars, prong collars, things like that, where the sensation is actually uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and the dog wants to avoid that sensation, obviously. And then you have types of tools that essentially startle the dog, right? So bonkers, pet correctors, squirt bottles, things like that. They don't hurt, right? Like Mm -hmm. nothing about any of those things is causing any sort of pain, but it's startling the behavior. Right. So and in a lot of cases with some dogs, we'll find tools like those. If these dogs have very kind of sensitive nervous systems and they startle easily. They could be 10 times more effective than something like a prong collar or an e-collar or whatever it may be. Right. Yep. So um, when I put him in it, I use the bonker and bonk the top of the crate because technically speaking, the bonker doesn't need to hit him. Right. And it doesn't need to hit the crate either. But the act of that thing moving quickly towards him is the startle. Right. That's Mm -hmm. what kind of interrupts the behavior. And in some cases, you can get away with just doing that. And that snaps the dog out of it. And you're kind of good to go from there. Right. Um, It did deescalate his behavior a little bit when Mm -hmm. I did it. Right. So it did interrupt him. And it at least took him down from like a level 11 to like maybe like a level six or something so that I could kind of manage then getting him out of the crate and all that kind of stuff. It didn't ultimately solve the issue though. Right. Mm So, um, in a lot of cases, when you watch these full session videos that we post, sometimes we're experimenting with things because we got to figure out what does the dog care about? What's going to be the right recipe of things to work through these types of problems, yeah. right? So uh, I think that was the only time that I did it in that video. And then I chose to just give that bonk outside of the crate before I got him into it to mm-hmm. de-escalate that arousal and stop him from escalating so much once he got into it, which wound up being kind of the deal breaker on top of implementing a down command before I let him out of the crate and then yeah. holding him accountable for that with the e-collar instead that wound up being a little bit more effective of a combination of things. Mm-hmm. We got him to a place where we can get him in and out. We eliminated that reactivity and we had a clear way we could start doing this. Now, does this solve the problem? That's the next question everybody always asks, right? Is it fixed? No, it's no. not fixed, right? A dog like this that has as intensive crate aggression issues as he has, you're never going to totally eliminate that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you could get it significantly more manageable. Like we got it more manageable in this video, but it didn't go away, right? Yeah. If I don't implement some of these techniques and I don't have a clear and concise way to hold him accountable for this stuff and don't do it consistently every single time, he'll quickly revert right back to what he was doing before. Yeah. But because dogs are pretty predictable creatures, because dogs... Um, are you know creatures of habit and, and routine and stuff like that. Anytime we're dealing with serious behavioral issues, in a lot of cases, what I try to do is I try to create predictable routines for the dog in their problematic areas and do things that I can do every single time, whether it's how I introduce them to guests when they come over, whether it's how I put them into the crate or take them out of the crate, mm. et cetera, et cetera, so that we could essentially long-term manage these things while over time increasing the dog's threshold to those things as they do it successfully for longer periods of time, mm-hmm. right? So this moves on to the second part of the question, which is I would have thought that would have made him more fearful of the crate right? Mm -hmm. This is such a common misconception that we see, right? We see this misconception that, you know, well, it's like the idea with like the counter conditioning and stuff where the dog needs to like all these things, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Do we want the dog to have a better association with the crate? Of course, right? Am I going to make the dog more fearful of the crate? No, he's already scared of us. And it's not even the crate that he's scared of, right? Mm -hmm. He is scared of us approaching while he's in the crate, Mm -hmm. right? And I shouldn't need for him to not be scared of me approaching him if I haven't done anything to him Mm -hmm. in order to get him to not freak out like that, right? I need for him to control that behavior, which is why we implement a punishment technique initially for it to de-escalate that and make him realize whether you're scared or not, you just can't do that, Yep. right? 
from there, we could work on creating more positive association. But in a lot of cases, the positive association doesn't come from us doing positive things. It comes from him being in a position where this behavior happens repeatedly as far as us getting him in and out successfully with him not rehearsing it once mm -hmm. we've successfully punished it and him realizing nothing bad happens. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That is the best way you can create a more positive association with things is by controlled exposure to the trigger, by eliminating the problematic behavior and getting the dog to realize they don't need to rehearse that problematic behavior and still nothing bad happens. Mm -hmm. Yes, if the dog was crazy food motivated after I implemented this punishment technique, I would add in rewards in addition to that because it will speed the process up, obviously. Yeah. But in most cases, when you're dealing with dogs, they get themselves into this like level 15 fight or flight state yeah. they're just not it's not going to work yeah. like you think it's going to work yeah you know what i mean so that's a lot of it um you know what's interesting is uh i think it was i think it was sean o'shea posted something pretty good the other day that kind of relates to this let me see if i can pull this up real quick okay <clears throat> obviously sean o'shea the good dog he's got love them lead, lead, by leading them the book stuff like that but he, he's got a way with words, man. And he posted something really good. Let me see if I can find it. I don't remember exactly when it was. Come on. Ah, you know what it was? Mm. It may have not been a post he made. I think it was a story. He made. Uh, so I'm not going to be able to find it. Okay, so so let's just talk about what he was discussing in it, right? So Sean, with the good dog, works with behavioral modification, right? That's like his specialty. It's his bread, his bread and butter with things, right? And he does a lot of trainer coaching and stuff like that. And, um, you know, again, I agree with some of the stuff he does, disagree with some of the stuff he does, but I think he's brought a lot to the dog training world. Mm -hmm. And his way with words and his ways of articulating things to owners as well as trainers is phenomenal, yeah. right? So he was talking about working with behavioral modification and he was talking about, you know what? The same deal. The conversation we've been having a lot over the last couple podcast episodes of, you know, we're not fixing issues. You know what I mean? We're mm -hmm. not fixing these dogs, right? Nope. What we're doing is we're teaching these dogs better coping mechanisms and we're teaching owners how to communicate better with the dogs, right? Yeah. And sometimes with behavioral modification and sometimes with really serious issues, case in point, this dog right here, right? You have to be okay with incremental progress and understanding sometimes you're not going to get 100% of the way there, mm -hmm. right? This dog's case, right? We're teaching this owner how to manage this behavior and make it less intense, but I know this dog is never going to be perfect with it, right? These mm -hmm. are genetic issues. These are genetic miswirings that are causing the dog to do this, mm -hmm. right? So we can get into all day long the scientific proper way of working through this and creating this positive association and stuff like that, but I know yep. this dog will never hit that point. Mm -hmm. right? But I know we can get a lot better with it, right? Yeah. And if we could start becoming okay with any of our dogs and any of our behavioral issues, if we could start being okay with seeing the 10% progress, the 20% progress, the 50% progress, the 80% progress, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and we could start defining success a little different and not having it be this like horrible to perfect, I think we're going to learn to enjoy our dogs much more. You know what I mean? And I think we're going to learn to understand their nuances and quirks a little bit better and understand that they're not perfect creatures. They're mm -hmm. not robots, yeah. right? 
they're animals, exactly. right? And if we want to live successfully with them, yes, we need to teach the dog to adapt to us to some extent, right? Mm -hmm. And yes, we need to teach them to adapt to our routines that we're setting with them. Mm -hmm. But we also have to give a little bit as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, you know, we see this a lot with like reactive dogs, mm -hmm. right? Let's take, let's take reactivity, right? There's a client I was working with yesterday, tiny little dog, right? Whatever. Dog had really bad like bus reactivity, oh, dog okay. reactivity, all this kind of stuff. And the dogs made unbelievable progress, right? But let's look at what def what what determines success with this dog, right? Obviously, mm -hmm. a proper training approach is going to determine a lot of success. Proper communication is going to determine a lot of success, but also the owner's understanding and commitment to holding the dog to the standards that we're setting for them, mm -hmm. right? There's a very soft owner that's with this dog, okay. right? She's very sensitive to things, right? She's, uh, you know, sensitive to correcting the dog to things and stuff like that. I get it. You know what yeah. I mean? And when we do our sessions, the dog is 100% on it. Does mm -hmm. not react, right? We, we okay. did a session yesterday, Home Depot, right? Around all these noises, people throwing freaking boards and stuff like that. And the dog was a freaking star, right? Okay. So she knows the dog's capable of it, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, I asked her, I was like, so, you know, because we're nearing the end of the program, we're like eight sessions in out of 10 or something like that. So we got two sessions left. And I was like, you know, how are things going at home? And she's like, you know what? They're going really well. Right. She said, I would say that he's like 80 percent better with the dog reactivity or with the reactivity overall, I should say. She yeah. said, you know, he's really great, like 80 percent of the time, maybe 20 percent of the time. I'm losing my screen. There it is. <laughs> She's like, you know, maybe 20% of the time, every now and then a bus will go by and I'm not prepared to address it and the dog reacts, right? Yeah. And yes, would I like that to hit 100%? Of course, right? Mm -hmm. And do I think that we can get it another 5 or 10% better? Of course, right? There yeah. were some tweaks we made yesterday in our session that she was like, oh, that makes complete sense how to be prepared for these things and this and that. And I think that's going to get her even a little bit further with things. Mm -hmm. But this person may not hit 100%. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because really, when you look at it, like... Me being a trainer, I know my timing is going to be perfect all the time with things. I know I'm going to be able to work through these things perfectly all the time. But I don't know, you know, like when you deal with some of these owners, some owners are a little more competent than others with this kind of stuff. Some owners, this stuff clicks more with than others, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And again, that's okay, right? Mm -hmm. And if we could get her to a place, which she, she's kind of there at this point, if we can get her to a place where she's okay with that, let's say 85% of the way better, then hell yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I have once every week my dog kind of freak out at something, like, is it really the end of the world? Probably not. Yeah. Is it, you know, 85% better than it was before yeah. and creating way less of a headache? Of course, right? Yeah. So whatever, all this stuff kind of going together, you know, and, and talking about these issues and just, just reiterating, like, what to expect with this kind of stuff and reiterating that you are the ter determining factor of how far that success is going to be. You know what yeah. I mean? I feel like... I feel like I have like one of those business motivator uh, things that they would say, but I really feel like so a hundred percent of that eighty five percent is better than what it was before. You know, <laughs> just that, spinning it a little yes, bit more, just a little <laughs> bit more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, I know what you're saying. But you know, that eighty five percent is the world of difference. It's huge. It's yeah. massive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like eighty five percent progress. Like. Fuck yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like I, I listen to these like fitness influencers and stuff like that and everything. And they talk about too, like, you know, when you're working with, you know, let's, let's say, you know, there's somebody that's super poorly out of shape, you know, hundred pounds overweight, this, that. And let's say their goal is to lose a hundred pounds, but they only lose 80 pounds. It's like, 
that's still a fuck ton yeah. better. Exactly. You know yeah. what I mean? That's still a lot to be proud of. Yeah. You know, and the same deal applies with these with these types of things, mm-hmm. right? So, like, you know, sometimes if you could recalibrate your goals a little bit and you could look at incremental progress and you could look at this is so much better than it was before and still strive for the 100% so that mm-hmm. you don't kind of get complacent with things, yeah. but be okay with just a little bit of progress as we're moving along, yeah. that can be so big, you know? And I'm reminding uh, clients of this, like session by session sometimes is, is looking at the baby steps, you know, especially mm-hmm. when we're doing a one-on-one program where it's 10 weeks, yeah. you know, it's, it's going to be at least 10 weeks before we get to like your, your max progress that you're going to hit, mm-hmm. you know, and you're going to experience a lot of issues along the way with that. So I can get mm-hmm. you seeing, wow, like, well, look at your leash walking is like a lot better. And at least your dog's not freaking out the window here at session three anymore. And, and this exactly. and that, right. Yep. So whatever. So, Getting back to um, getting back to this over here, obviously that that is kind of the the process of working through this kind of stuff. That's why we did these types of things, and that's why we post these full sessions so you could see pretty much everything as far as like how the brain is working as far as working through these types yep. of things, right? Yep. You know, then obviously you get into the next comment here from five days ago from <laughs> Jonas or whatever, and Jonas took a sassy approach to it. I've been a professional dog trainer for fifteen years now, and anytime people throw out the amount of time that they've been <laughs> training before they give like some sort of like yeah. unwarranted insult on somebody else's page, mm-hmm. you all already know that cool you may have been training dogs yeah. for 15 years <laughs> but you probably don't have very much success with it uh-huh. so whatever i've been a professional dog trainer for 15 years now and i've never seen anyone slam on the dog's cage okay well first off then you haven't been in this industry very long because i know in shelters and rescues and stuff like that a very common thing people do when dogs are barking in the crate is they'll take a dog food bowl and they'll walk up and they'll pop 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 on the front of the crate mm-hmm. and same deal that noise startles the dog Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of cases can get them to stop doing it. Right. I personally think this is very wrong and bad, but I'm interested in why you do it. Maybe I can learn. OK, you're not interested in learning. But if you are interested in learning, I just explained why I did it yes. to Tom's question. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else we got here? So this person left a comment this morning, I believe. Um, yeah. Eleven hours ago. This is on a video we posted a couple months back, uh, three months ago, it looks like, um, on extreme food aggression solved before and after, right? So a little backstory on this dog. So this dog um, had pretty freaking wild food aggression issues, right? Um, and this is a dog that just did one-on-ones with us. And let's actually, we're gonna we're sidebarring all over the place here. <laughs> There's this new trend in dog training right now that I uh. see people freaking doing that's like... If the dog has serious behavioral issues, you have to do a board and train program. That is the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard in my life. Of course. Right? You know what that exposes, right? That exposes that that trainer is not confident enough in their knowledge of working through that issue Mm -hmm. that they feel like they need to experiment and problem solve without the client there to not make them look like an idiot. Yeah. Is exactly what that is. Or... That means the owner, not the owner, sorry. That means that the trainer is going to take a probably 10x more firm and unnecessarily firm approach with the dog that they're Mm -hmm. not comfortable doing in front of the owner, Mm -hmm. which is also a load of BS, right? If I'm going to punish a dog for something using any method, right? The bonker is the biggest one that catches us heat because people don't like how it looks, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever. 
I will do that in front of the owner every single time because I have to, right? Mm -hmm. They need to understand how I got past these issues, right? And if that's how I got past those issues, it's not like I could just do that and then the (laughs) owner's never going to need to do that again. You know what I mean? It's like it doesn't work that way. You have to be transparent about that kind of stuff. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. So whatever. So... um, that that's a that's one thing for for clients and stuff that might be listening to this. If your trainer tells you that, it's <laughs> it's not a good it's sign. It's not a good sign, right? Because you absolutely can work through these things. There's a, a local trainer around here that says that we only, we only do board and trains, or we only do one on ones lessons if the dog doesn't have behavioral issues and stuff like that. And we have gotten so many clients, and this is like a reputable trainer, right? We've gotten so many clients that wanted to do training with that company mm-hmm. that they turned them down because they couldn't afford a board and trainer, whatever it was, that came to us and did one-on-ones with us, and it was successful. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they spent way less money on it because mm-hmm. of it, and they're very happy because of it now. Good. So whatever. So this person commented this morning, right? Uh, what's your email, and what's the step to tamed him like that? My dog does the same thing. I have a Belgian Malinois. Do I just put the leash up like that? Okay, so I think he's basically in a nutshell. They're asking like, how do you how do you work through this problem, yeah. right? So we've talked about food aggression a lot lately, and we'll kind of discuss the step by step approach with how we did this, right? Mm-hmm. So basically, food aggression, right? A lot of people look at too much, like it's a. I, I think I've heard people like comment on our page before. Food aggression is a taking issue, not a giving issue, kind mm-hmm. of thing. I think it's a both issue, right? It's a control over the resource issue as a whole. Now, here's my problem with looking at it too much like it's a taking issue, right? People don't focus enough on the giving side of things, Mm -hmm. and the dog gets themselves into this ridiculously jacked up state of mind before you even give them the bowl. You give them the bowl because they're already in a jacked up state of mind. Mm -hmm. Then they really like get themselves in there, (laughs) get themselves all hyped up and stuff. And then the, the aggression that you see when they're actually displaying the food aggression issue is like 10 times worse than what you would think it would be. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, what do most people do to work through this? They're like, you got to teach the dog to wait for the food, right? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Right? The problem is most people do the wait, 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 sit, 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 mm-hmm. and put the bowl down. And the only reason why the dog is not going for the bowl, if they're even successful in getting the dog to do that, is the fact that they're in a sit. If they weren't in a sit, they'd be all over that freaking food. They still view that food as theirs in that moment and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yep. This is the one issue that I get a little fucking like Caesar-esque on, right? Okay. As far as the <laughs> state of mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I really do think that there is something to be said about with toys and with food that there is a claiming of the resource mentality to this, mm-hmm. right? I need for the dog to see in their mind that that food or that toy is mine until I give it to them, Mm -hmm. right? Now, if something is mine, I shouldn't need to use obedience commands to get the dog to not go for them. The dog should just understand that ain't yours. Yeah. Right? So what do I do, right? I've got, I got to make a new video of this one day because, you know, I get so many people that ask me about feeding routines and like how I manage a multi-dog household with it, how I avoid resource guarding issues, this, that, whatever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so as I'm feeding, I don't use any commands for my dogs, period, right? I walk downstairs into my little dog area, right? I got all the bowls laid out and I just start scooping food and plopping it on the ground. And I don't even need to like look at, they just know it ain't yours right now, mm-hmm. right? Now, how did I get there? got there by just correcting them if they tried to go for it before I told them to, right? Mm-hmm. Scoop the food, put it down, you go for it. No, big correction. Yeah. 
right? Setting that tone, claiming that bull, this is mine right now. It's not yours. In a lot of cases, if you look at a lot of clients, right, when you first go to give them food, right, they're, the dog is just so uncontrolled. They're so uncontrollable. They're jumping yeah. all over the place. They're jumping all over the table that you're trying to like yep. prep the food on and this and that, mm-hmm. right? And and the, the owner's just trying to get them to sit over there instead of just tell the dog not to do that. You need to claim that space and that resource as yours in that moment, right? Yep. And the dog needs to understand consequences right there. Yep. So as soon as you do that, right, you've set the tone. This is mine right now. You can't have it. You've de-escalated the state of mind. And in a lot of cases, the dog will wind up sitting or downing on their own, right? Because mm-hmm. they know. It ain't mine right now, right? Yep. From there, I give them the resource, right? Now, what is the next common thing that we'll see people do, right? They give them the resource, right? And as soon as they give them the resource, the owner goes and, like, fucks off and does something else, right? So basically, they give the resource, and then they leave, and the dog realizes, I took this thing, and the owner went away, meaning this is mine now, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens then is you're gone and then you go to reapproach and the dog's like, hey, why are you coming into my space while I have this resource, making them again more likely to then guard that resource, mm-hmm. right? So what do I do? I put the bowl down. I make sure the dog doesn't go for it. I release them for the food and I stay right there with them, mm-hmm. right? And what you'll see is interestingly enough, in some cases, if you don't move away and you tell them, okay, to go get that food, if you have a resource garter, that dog will be like hesitant to go to the food because they mm-hmm. don't feel comfortable with you present around the food because they're typically used to like pushing you away to get the food, mm-hmm. right? So you just hang out there. And then eventually the dog starts eating and then they start realizing, like we talked about the crate aggression issue, nothing bad happened. I'm not messing with you. Yep. Don't fucking pet the dog. <laughs> don't try to put your hand in the bowl or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, don't ever do that with the dogs. No, it's no. not necessary. No. Right? So you hang out with them, right? And then when they finish, if they're still licking the bowl and stuff, you let them do it. Mm-hmm. And you let them interact with it and stuff like that. Yep. And you wait until the dog disengages from the food, and then you take the food bowl from them. Mm-hmm. And that is, in a nutshell, how we work through this problem. Yeah. So this has nothing to do with putting the leash up like that or anything like that. Now, here's the thing, right? When you're dealing with serious dogs like this, you know, depending on the severity of the food aggression issues, sometimes it's beneficial to use a back tie or something. If the dog, if there is a chance the dog is actually going to try to bite you, you want to obviously use a back tie so the dog can't lunge all the way over to you or anything like that. But you got to know your own, your own dog. And we've talked about this before too, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to keep a dog like this, like this person right here says, put it down, right? Fuck off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Like, I'm not saying in some cases this would not be, a, this this would be a dog that shouldn't be owned by, like, a family and stuff like that. But this is owned by, like, a single guy, right? Yeah. Who knows the risks, right? And, and you know, he's a younger dude, and he's like, I, I'm not going to put this dog, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to yeah. keep this dog. Yeah. Right? So, so go fuck yourself, right? Um... What was I getting at? Oh, yeah. So, if you're going to own a dog like this, mm-hmm. you've got to... You have to step up to the plate. We've talked about this before, right? Mm -hmm. When you work through these things. Like I said, you could put in place safety protocols and stuff like that. But in the end of the day, you're signing up to this dog may try to bite me. Mm -hmm. And I've got to work through the problem. And and here, let's play the video real quick here. Right? So this is before training. Right? Watch this next clip here. This one's pretty gnarly. <laughs> Ain't no joke, dude. Mm-mm. Right? So check this out. This is after we told him how to handle this. So he put the bowl down. He's not saying anything. Okay. Tells the dog okay. A little hesitant with it. Stays with the dog as the dog is eating. 
Now, let's talk about that for a second. We told him, we did tell him not to do that. I said, yeah. don't ever do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> he was told after we saw that video, don't fucking pet the dog, <laughs> right? Okay. Now, yeah. listen, great before and after yeah. still, right? <laughs> and let's talk about the petting for a minute here. Yeah. I'm not saying you shouldn't be able to pet your dog while they're eating. Like all my dogs, if I need to take the food bowl yeah. or something like that, I know I can do it. But you don't want to do it because all you're doing is if the dog is still really uncomfortable with it, is you're teaching yeah. them, right? I'm going to fuck with you and this is going to suck while you're eating, right? I'm yeah. reinforcing all of your fears. Yeah. So whatever. So don't, <laughs> don't do you know I mean, people are imperfect, yeah. right? But that's kind of how we went through that process of working through those issues with that dog. And mm -hmm. it all started with that really, really, really firm correction at the beginning and not teaching the walking away and reapproaching, yeah. right? Getting the dog used to us being in the space us claiming that resource, us giving it to them and them needing to get used to us being right there with them mm -hmm. and making the feeding process again, routine and consistent, right? Yeah. When you're dealing with a dog like this, you're never going to feed them differently like, than that. No. That's going to be your process that you feed the dog every time you feed them. Mm -hmm. So whatever. Let's continue. <laughs> <clears throat> um... I don't know, some comments on a revolutionary canine video. I trust my boy's in good hands. I'm assuming maybe he's training with Chris. Yeah. Your boy is in good hands. Yes. <laughs> Chris is out here crushing it. <laughs> All right, see what we got here. Next one here. <clears throat> this is a comment on uh, a new video we posted about nail aggression issues, right? Or I should say just general fear of nail trimmings. This dog wasn't crazy aggressive about it, but mm -hmm. this dog threw a goddamn temper tantrum if we tried to do the nails, right? Yeah. So we have been, we've been like the nail people for a while now, right? So mm -hmm. like, I don't know what it is. It was like <laughs> maybe like four or five years ago, I remember getting a phone call from somebody. Lady was like, listen, got this dog. Dog has been trained elsewhere. Dog is fine. Right. There's no issues from a training standpoint with the mm -hmm. dog, but the dog won't let us trim the nails. We got to have the dog sedated. You know, that's the only way we can get him to trim the nails. This, mm -hmm. that. Right. Can you help us? And I was like, you know, it, and normally we would just do a full pro. We would require doing a full program, make sure the training's up to par, this, that. Mm -hmm. I could tell that this lady really did not have other issues. Right. Yeah. Those were the issues. Right. So I was like, you know what? Yeah. Let's get you in for a single session. Let's see if we can work through this. Right. Lady came in. Dog was horrible with it. We followed a very strategic step-by-step -step plan as far as how to work through it, mm -hmm. right? And we, we were able to trim the dog's nails, right? And she started bringing the dog to us for nail trims instead of taking the dog to get sedated, which is more healthy, more safe, right? And mm -hmm. we were actually able to do it more frequently because the dog's nails were like freaking curled over <laughs> like this, oh, yeah, right? And we, we got the job done, right? And ever and I think we posted a video of it, like a before and after or like a, a step. We posted the step-by-step -step process of how we did it, right? And... Immediately from that point on, we became like the nail people. Yeah. <laughs> like everybody starts bringing their dogs and like calling us about like, hey, like my dog, I can't trim my dog's nails, this, that. Like this is such a, this is a big problem that people struggle with that mm -hmm. I, I think people don't correlate to like training will help this problem. Because yeah. I feel like a lot of people look at nail trims like it's like this issue that they need to take the dog to the vet for and this and that. And they don't realize it's something that can be worked through. Right? Yep. So whatever. So this Malinois we worked with. We, same deal, posted the full session of how we worked through the nail trimming issues, mm -hmm. right? So, first comment here. Well, let's talk about this one. Five days ago when the video was posted, they said, I was skeptical at first, but the video speaks for itself. Excellent job, Miracle Canine. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> you know, like, listen, like, I... The problem is, like, a lot of this stuff, like, isn't pretty initially because we're teaching the oh, dog yeah. to overcome these freaking emotional hurdles. Let's look at this one for a second here. Mm -hmm. you do your Get out of here, ad. 
Get out of here. Hey, that's our that's our revenue. Shush. Okay, you do it well. Now it's time to do it bigger. All right, here we go. So in a lot of cases here, when dealing with dogs that have like big time issues with like nails or handling and stuff like that, a lot of times it's not so much a correction thing. It's not like we need to go in and like punish it or anything like that. A lot of times it's just working. It's another big part too is a lot of people think that nail trimming issues is you need to correct the dog for it, right? Behavior in general is contingent on there being a reinforcement for it, mm-hmm. right? And you'll see in a minute here how we work through it. But the reinforcement behind the dog rehearsing these aggressive looking behaviors is that it works. Mm-hmm. So actually we don't need to correct it initially. We just need to show the dog it doesn't work. Yeah. It and showing him it doesn't work. And then with nails in particular, a lot of times it's not so much touching the paw that's this the is issue, the it's restraining the paw, right? Because if I just touch it, she'll just pull it away and she's fine. But if I grab it. We'll hear people say that too. I touch my dog's paws every night and they're fine with it. It's not doing anything. Yeah. The dog doesn't care about having their paws touched. They care about when you hold it and then they try to get away and yeah. then you don't let them get away. Watch this. I hold and then, right, and then she tries to pull away and I don't let her. That's where we'll start to see them get defensive with things. Yeah. So a lot of times I just start right. with just this, right? You grab. <laughs> right. So notice the de-escalation. Now, right. So, but okay. So let's talk about that for a minute. So that's the big thing, right? People will see that initially and be like, "Oh my God, what are you? Stop it! Stop yeah. it right now! What are you? You're hurting the dog, yeah. right? We're not, no. right? Uh, listen." And, and then everybody can give me the other arc. Look, I hear this all the time, too. The dog is going to freak out and break its leg. The dog's not going to break its leg, no. right? The way I'm holding the paw, I, I'm making sure that it's not twisting or anything mm-hmm. like that. You know what I mean? I'm holding it tightly but loosely enough where they can kind of move their paw within my hand. Like, yep. they're fine. Yes. Right? Like, 100%. I'm not, you know, you, ha- you obviously do have to be aware of how you're holding. Like, if you're twisting the leg out to the side, <laughs> yeah. you don't want to do that, obviously. But I'm making sure that I'm kind of giving and pulling where they're not putting any pressure on their joints or anything like mm-hmm. that. Just throwing a freaking tantrum right there. Tantrum. That's all it is. Right? But it's, again, getting back to the emotional hurdles people have to face when working through this. If we're going to get past this issue with this dog, this dog has to realize that behavior doesn't work. Yeah. There's no ifs, ands, or buts with it. Exactly. You're not going to treat that away. Mm-mm. I keep I keep telling people that, right? Nope. Nine out of ten times is when I go to do that, what does she do? She, she wins, right? We stop. Yeah, yeah. Right? Which I get it, right? Like, obviously, in most cases, right, if you're a vet or a groomer or something like that, that's pretty scary. It's like, what the hell is going on right now, right? You think you're hurting them maybe or this or that. We know it's just antics. It's dramatics, right? So we work them through that. Once they stop and look fighting, at, good. Look at this state of mind, right? You could tell. This dog went from initially tense, tightened up, growling, unloading freaking the fuck out and then it didn't work it's like oh yeah <laughs> right yep. and, and it's so interesting right like i've talked about this in the past before and people give me shit over this also right everybody's got an opinion on stuff right oh yeah whatever when the dog goes from that tense stuff mm-hmm. holding their breath mm-hmm. unloading yeah. to that heavy panting right mm-hmm. you could feel in their body all of that tension just yeah you know, and yes, it's stress panting. Everybody gives you shit because I, I say that's a more relaxed state of mind than the state of mind before. They're like, it's not relaxed. It's stress panting, right? <laughs> yes, the dog is still stressed. We haven't yeah. fixed the problem yet, but we got them to go from this tense state of mind to like, ooh, them letting some of that energy and letting some of that stress out, mm-hmm. aka the stress panting. Yep. Right? 
right? We stopped doing it, right? So we worked that drill a couple times here first with them. And again, it's not a correction thing. It's just showing them that there's no more reinforcement. The reinforcement of you doing that and it making me go away is no longer there. So same deal, we grab, we hold, and I just wait. And before I even try to grind them or anything like that, this is the first step that I work through with them. It's so funny. It's like so Look predictable at, at this point what these dogs are going to do with some of this stuff. It is. It's so freaking predictable. <laughs> yeah. This time a little bit better, obviously. Totally like different. Kind of Completely yeah. different state of mind. Right. And sometimes it is that freaking easy. You yeah. know what I mean? Again, is it fixed? No. You'll see, uh, I don't know if it's in this video or not, but there was a uh, clip from the next day. This was the client that was here for five days from Kentucky. There was a clip from the next day of us working through this issue again. Zero reactivity out of the dog, and the dog was taking food, so we were able to actually start building the dog's confidence after it, but it's mm -hmm. because we worked through this problem. Yeah. And again, sometimes all these dogs need, and this dog is a dog that's starting to display crate aggression issues towards the owner, resource guarding issues towards the owner, all sorts of different issues, right? Mm. And guess what? This dog has been through a board and train somewhere else. A lot of positive reinforcement. She came in. She worked all the commands for food and stuff. It looked beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like the dog had, was trained. The dog liked working with her clearly. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> the respect was not established. Yeah. And that's sometimes what these dogs need. Yep. Is they need to be put in a position of high stress like that. They need to learn that we are still in charge in these situations, yeah. right? And they need to learn we're going to step up to the plate and overcome these problems with them. Yeah. I'm going to try again in a minute, but she's much looser, right? Like I mean, she's not right? as tense and stuff. Yeah. See the whole arm just moving Good. and stuff? It's not all... Yeah. I can't save you. I'm sorry. I know. Good job. <laughs> the like head straight up thing is so funny. <laughs> I know. Come on. Stream 85 plus live channels with no hidden <laughs> fees. YouTube TV, try it free. If I could show you how you could quit your unfulfilling job, pursue your passion of dogs instead, and become highly paid as the uh, number one online person dog trainer. in your area that people turn to for help with their dogs, would you be interested in learning more? Because the good news this is- This is BS, right? So let's talk about this ad for a second. <laughs> Right? We got this fucking loser, the online dog trainer. And basically what he just said is, do you love dogs? Well, I could teach you how to be the highest paid dog trainer in your area. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck this guy. Yeah. Right? This is my problem with this industry. It's unregulated, so anybody can get into it. And this guy is profiting off of the fact that you like dogs and you want to be a dog trainer, but you have no experience, so the clients are going to suffer. You're mm -hmm. going to be the highest paid dog trainer because you're going to charge a fucking premium, and yeah. you're going to have no idea how to help the owners. Mm -hmm. And then those owners are going to be out a bunch of money. They're going to think that dog training doesn't work, and it's going to continue to dilute this industry. So yeah. this is this is bullshit. Minutes, I'm going to share this is a long ass a ad. Unique opportunity yeah. to change two all minutes of that and lead a life so right, full of passion. <laughs> okay, so step number one with these dogs when we're working through nail aggression issues is you have to get them to understand that holding that paw, we are not letting go of it, right? That's it. You work mm -hmm. that for a little bit, you get them to a place where you can consistently grab and hold the paw, you only let it go when the dog is in a calm state of mind, mm -hmm. right? And as you saw there, you have to hold through that stuff. Most people stop there. That is the only way you'll get past it. Next step here, holding paw I know. and playing with the toes. And sometimes you'll see a less intense, like you see the dog's kind of growling and stuff there still, but the dog is learning to inhibit that bite. Mm -hmm. So you play with the individual toes. That's it. And you'll hear me talk about that in a minute. And then if you see that, you continue doing it. Mm -hmm. 
And if you look at some of these behaviors, like this is very similar to what you're seeing in the crate. Yeah. You know, it's like this kind of fearful, I'm really unsure, and I've learned that doing this makes things stop. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes we address it in the crate, right? But other times we leverage all these other opportunities and get it under control where she just doesn't feel like she can get away with that with an individual, you, me. It all correlates everywhere. Sometimes we look at like the specific behavioral. We gotta look at it in the crate. We gotta look at it in the nails. We gotta mm -hmm. look at it here, right? It's, it's one of those things where once you get the dog into the proper state of mind and seeing us differently overall with these types of things, mm -hmm. it bleeds away in all those other areas. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> and then it all kind of starts to correlate together a little bit. And this is really how we get to the bottom of a lot of this kind of stuff. Yeah. We say, I try to look for the things that are really hard for my dog, and I kind of chase those things and try to work through them. Or in a lot of cases, we just kind of avoid those things, you know, and then it always shows itself somewhere. Yeah. Good. Good job. Good. And I'm kind of looking at her body language and stuff while I'm doing it to know when I release, right? It's a key point as well. At this, we're kind of using negative reinforcement right now as well, so the removal of pressure to reinforce something. So I'm applying pressure when I grab the paw. If she doesn't like it, I wanna keep holding until she settles. Once she relaxes, good. That's when I release pressure, and that release of pressure symbolizes like a reward to them. Would you wait until she's like not growling or showing her teeth, or? Kind of, yeah, so so the reason why I started saying that is because the left paw, for whatever reason, when I grab it is when she starts doing the teeth thing a little bit. Yeah. So even though she's not doing anything, I'm gonna wait till it goes from that to more, that more relaxed pant, you know? Good. So that's step two, obviously. Play with the pause. Again, pay attention to where you're releasing pressure. All right, looks pretty good. So next what we're gonna do is we're gonna start trying to actually grind them. <coughs> so grabbing, turning the Dremel on. She's like, what the heck? And then we start with just quick little grind at a time like that. This is a dog this owner's never been able to cut her nails. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and, and, and this literally was like, I mean, there was a little bit cut out of there, maybe 10 minutes. And we got, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. we're not working magic out here. Everybody looks yeah. at it like it's magic. The dog is just so good with you. But they're <laughs> not, uh, some no. people are oblivious to the things we're, to why is the dog improving with these things? And it's mm -hmm. funny, like, I'll do lessons sometimes. People are just like, the dog is just so good with you. Like, I, it's like, it's like, it's magic. And then I'll explain. I'll stop them. I'll be like, no. It's not magic. Mm -hmm. Actually, the dog is behaving right now because this, 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 this. Mm -hmm. And I'll explain those things. And it's like, they'll still, they'll be like, yeah, yeah, it's just like, it's just so, it's just like it's magic. And I'm just like, it's, it's not. It's literally not. You can do this yeah. also. Do right? the same things, yeah. We're, I tell people, you know, board and trains, one-on-ones, that's that. We're creating the blueprint. This is the blueprint of how you get past your dog's nail aggression mm -hmm. issues, right? And I hope that at least some of these people that are watching this actually do it. Because a lot of people yeah. look at it, and, and I'll, I'll get this sometimes also from people. It's just frustrating, right? They'll be like, wow, that's so amazing. My dog is just like that dog. And I'll be like, okay, cool. Well, I showed you how to fix it. Yeah. And they'll be like, yeah, I just I just don't know. My dog is just really bad. And I'll be like, it's literally <laughs> right in front of your face. The solution is right in front of your face. Yeah. Yeah. This is what we deal with. Yep. This is what we deal with as dog trainers. So, and then so I expect also, right?
I expect every time I move through these steps, every time I move from just holding the paw to holding the paw and playing with the toes to actually grinding the nails, each time you move to the next step, you will see a little freak out like that. It's pretty normal, right? Because yeah. you're adding more pressure each time that you go yeah. to do it. Keep grinding, obviously. I just don't want to let go, right? Let me just go right back to it. And when you first start this, it's really important that you don't try to do a lot because if you accidentally go too far and then it actually does hurt, it kind of reinforces all that fear. That's a key. So I just kind of try to like dock the, the tip like that. It. Good. And just get her used to that sensation. And again, she still doesn't love it, but we're fifty percent better. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. So, so that's the key with it. So the rest of this video is then getting into having the owner do it and stuff. We talk about a bunch of different concepts like and stuff, I... whatever. See, she goes and does it then at that point. Good. Whatever. So, so I highly recommend you watch that whole video, obviously. It's an, it really is an awesome video. That was a cool kind of transformation that we did with it. Yeah. Um, and I was very pleased with how that turned out. Let's see if we got anything else here. Oh man, we could get into the weeds with this one, but we're not going to do that here today. <laughs> this is, dude. This this my dog resource guards me video. Mm -hmm. Um, it, for whatever reason, it's like our one of our most viewed videos. All right, on next YouTube. question. It's got like 10, 11, almost ten thousand views. <clears throat> like tons and tons of kind of fifty one comments on it. Jeez. This one we get comments all the time, and guess what? I reply to all of them. So if you got questions on it, just let me know. You know what? Let's. It's been a while. This was this was in two thousand twenty. This was over two years ago. Let's watch this. Let's see what I said. Joel's 36. Joel's says, my dog is fine at daycare, but she has some kind of protective things with other dogs when I'm around or walking her when there's other dogs. What are the small steps towards getting her to be as good with dogs when I'm with her as she is with First me? off, I love how that question was worded. What are the small incremental steps that I can follow to help get this problem resolved, right? Mm -hmm. It's not how do I fix this problem overnight yeah. because this stuff doesn't work that way. <laughs> it's what is the blueprint yeah. that I use to get my dog 20% better, 40% better, 60% better, 80%, 100%. Yep. Okay, so this is a question that requires me to do a little bit of digging, right? And a little bit of guessing here. So, um, your dog is social and fine at daycare. So we've confirmed this is not necessarily a socialization problem in the context of your dog is like an inherently dog aggressive dog, right? Um, That's a key thing to look at also, right? When you're dealing with guarding issues, right? Whether it's towards resources, whether it's towards dogs, people, whatever it may be, you got to confirm, is this an aggression problem or is this an environmental problem? Yeah. Right. An aggression problem being the dog actually has issues with other dogs and other people, an environmental problem, meaning the dog is social most of the time, mm -hmm. but in certain environments that we are creating, it's causing the dog to feel emboldened to rehearse these behaviors. But your dog is protective of you when around other dogs, when you're around or walking her, right? So a lot of times that we'll find that most dogs removed from the owners or removed from certain types of social situations are very good, but something is triggering the responses when you're around. So I would first and foremost guess that your dog is being protective over you because of things that you're doing, not necessarily because of the dog having the issues in itself, right? So for example. So we're creating behavioral issue, right? Mm -hmm. 
If I am constantly allowing my dog to be in my lap or cuddling with me, or I'm constantly giving attention, or I am perceived by the dog to be a high value resource, then naturally when other dogs come into its space, it's gonna try to defend that resource. So what we need to do is we need to first and foremost understand the three things that dogs will fight over typically, right? And those three things are typically food, toys, and affection. Affection being the key one in this case, right? So anytime that I'm introducing my dog to new dogs that they do not know, or anytime we're introducing dogs here at the facility to dogs that they don't know each other, I remove any possible conflict from the equation, right? So that means I'm not gonna have toys laying around. I'm not gonna have food laying around or be handing out treats or anything. And the key and the most important one here is I'm not gonna physically interact with any of these dogs ever throughout that socialization process. Because we need to make this socialization about the dogs, not about us. A lot of times we wanna be a part of things and we wanna, you know, cuddle and hang out. Oh my gosh, this is so cute and I wanna be a part of it and this and that and what we do is we just insert ourselves into the mix and we create problems right as opposed to looking at why am i socializing my dog with another dog in the first place oh yeah to get them to get along with the other dog and to make a friend right uh, i used to use the example all the time of you know if you get a kid and your kid's off playing uh, with their friends and, and, and making buddies and stuff like that and you try to be the adult that's jumping in all the time like oh hey what are you doing i want to be a part of this what's going on this and that they're going to get very very annoyed with that very quickly and they're never actually going to build the bond I haven't used that analogy in a while. That's a good one. It is a good one. Don't be that annoying parent. <laughs> Don't be that annoying parent. You want them to build with each other, right? Same concept applies with dogs. You need to make sure you're stepping back and just letting the situation breathe while appropriately socializing and supervising that situation, right? So. In situations off-leash, that's probably what's going on, is you're trying to apply too much interaction into the mix, you're intervening too much. Maybe, and here's even another uh, part of the equation, is maybe what you're doing is you're just getting nervous of the socialization process and you're kind of trying to micromanage, right? So you're jumping in, ah, don't do that, ah, don't do that, oh, don't do that, oh, don't do that, right? And that frantic energy that you're providing and that micromanagement is creating frustration and tension as well, which is making the socialization not go as well. Keep in mind, your dog is good at daycare, so they clearly can socialize with other dogs so if you step back and you remove yourself from the equation while still being there to supervise obviously it's gonna go way better now the last step of the equation this is where I'm kind of digging and guessing here is I'm guessing that a lot of the times that you're having the issue is on the leash you specified walking your dog uh, and getting your dog to be good with dogs in those situations. Now, the walk is a place that I never socialize my dog in, and that's because the leash only resembles restraint to my dog. They can't run around and bounce and play like they would at daycare, like they would in an off-leash socialization situation uh, when they're on the leash, so all it does is create frustration and create problems. So. Um, the other step of the equation is obviously knowing where is appropriate to socialize your dog and where is not appropriate to socialize your dog. And unfortunately, the walk is not one of those places. So if you're removing socialization situations that are not appropriate for the dog and you're making sure you're socializing your dog in an appropriate way with proper supervision and removing the things that dogs typically would fight over, food, toys, affection, then you're going to have a much more successful time in the process here and your dog's going to start moving in the right direction. Like I said, 90% of the time when we're seeing behavioral issues, particularly with socialization, like I said, it's not so much a what do we do with the dog, it's more so what do we do with ourselves? Because we can really unintentionally give mixed signals and make things go good or bad based on that. So, hope that helps. If you guys have any questions on that, let me know.
No, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Those old edits, bro. <laughs> Bruh. Listen, I'm going to give myself a little attaboy for that one. Yeah. This is a pretty good one. It's a pretty good one. Yeah. So listen, you know. That speaks for itself. That's why your dog is probably resource guarding you. And those are some mm-hmm. things to do to make your socialization go a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good note to end on. Yeah, it was good. What do you think, Josh? It was great. I love it. We love the interaction, guys. Keep sending comments. We'll keep mm-hmm. answering them. Keep asking questions. We'll keep answering them. Yeah. And uh, kind of go from there with things. It's nice to see all the, the questions that we're getting because now we have so much content. It's just accumulating. Yeah, boy. It's a lot. It's a lot. So, looks good. All right, guys, we're going to end that on that. Next mm-hmm. week will be fresh. We'll uh, have some new topics to discuss. We won't be digging into the archives. Um, <laughs> if you guys have anything we want to talk about, let me know, yeah. and we'll go from there. Have a great one. See you.